What is up, guys? Welcome back to the latest episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. My name is Jack. I am here with Sammy and Ori. We have an incredible episode laid out for you guys today. But before we get into it, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Chatter from the Cheap Seats, TikTok at Chatter underscore Cheap Seats Pod, and please, please, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Ori, it's been a while since you've been on the pod. How you doing, my friend? Um, I've seen better days, I will say. Um, I'm sure we'll get into Sixers talk a little bit later, but uh, I'll keep it short. I'm going through some depression right now. Yeah, we're recording this literally maybe half an hour after the 76ers were eliminated from the playoffs. So Sammy went through it with the Cubs. Ori is going through it now, the five stages of grief. Yes, it, it has affected all of us. In certain ways that we cannot explain, the stages of being eliminated from the playoffs. It, um, I've been there too many times, I'm afraid. But uh, otherwise, I'm doing pretty well. Um, today, my band, uh, we had our first gig. I also play music, if you guys don't know already. Uh, we played our first gig in a while, since like October. So that was fun. Uh, it was hot today. It was like in the 90s, so... A little tiring, but um, very fun to be back out playing music. And uh, Cubs are playing pretty well, so that's pretty good, even though we almost got swept by the Marlins, which is not good. But besides that, Cubs are doing good. So I'm doing good. Cubs good. I'm good. So that, that's how it goes. Jack, how have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Yankees are playing, I would say, well lately. They've won the last five out of their six games. They're heading on to play Kansas City at home, which, I mean, the Yankees should easily win two out of three, if not sweep that series. When you have Cole game one, a rested bullpen coming off an off day, and you're facing the Kansas City Royals, you got to win. You got to win at least two out of three. Well, so. the Royals really, ever since the beginning of April, have just struggled to win. And they looked like a team that could be a surprise in the AL Central, and all of a sudden... I can't win. So that that's a series that the Yankees have got to get back on track. They've been playing better, but you know, record wise, they're still really only a few games above fourth place, which is now yeah, four and a half games back of the Red Sox or currently in first, which is, yeah, pretty- I mean, it's, it's pretty rough for the Yankees, but I, I think they'll climb out of it eventually. I mean, it's not, I'm not that worried. I was worried, but think about it this way. At this time last week, the Yankees were nine games back out of first place. They are now four and a half. And it's been a week. You know, a I think the Rays, yeah. I think the Rays might be affected by sticky stuff a lot. You know, people talk about the Yankees. People talk about the Dodgers. But I, I personally think the Yankees will be affected positively because it will definitely help their offense. And I think Gary Sanchez might be more affected in a positive way than any hitter in baseball, and we will get into that a little bit later, but the Rays have let up, their pitching staff has let up the most runs of any MLB team from the time that MLB put out the memo saying that they were going to start enforcing sticky stuff to now. They've let up 
46 runs, which is the most. And I don't think it's all that close, honestly. So the Rays are starting to come back to earth a little bit. Yeah. The Red Sox lost today. They're starting to come back to earth a little bit. The Red Sox play the Rays next series. So hopefully one team gets swept, you know. And yeah, so I'm I'm yeah. not that worried. I'm fairly confident. But it's same said with the Rays, though, because you think about the past few years with this team and all the like these pitchers were talking about their stuff and how like organizationally it just seems like all of these Rays pitchers have incredible stuff. It almost seems like any pitcher that goes into Tampa, all of a sudden, you know, they you know, they're really locating high velocity and their curveball or sliders breaking a little bit more. Maybe there's a another reason. Maybe it's not just a coincidence that all of this is happening in Tampa Bay. Maybe the organizational thing, and it seems pretty likely that it is that sticky stuff, which we'll be talking about because it's a pretty big controversy. I, I think we all agree on it for the most part, uh, you know, with how the league handled it. But before we get into baseball, we got into a little bit here. We got to talk about basketball, and I know Ori does not want to do this. He's the resident 76ers fan. Here on the podcast, and they did get eliminated from the playoffs today. I so gotta say, before Jack and I weigh in, before Jack and I weigh in, wait, let me just say oh, this first because I think it will add fuel to Ori's fire in a way. This is not- Joel Embiid, and this is an impromptu Jack's dumb Twitter takes, which you know doesn't always have to be a dumb take. In this case, might be a smart take. I don't know, but Joel Embiid after the game said, "Quote: I'll be honest." I thought the turning point was when we, I don't know how to say it, is when we had an open shot and we made one free throw. Yep. Sammy, Ori, yep. sounds like he's pointing the finger at someone. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, it's so obvious. Ben Simmons is the worst basketball player I've ever seen. Like, seriously. No, like, oh, this man got paid like $150 million dollars. We thought he was the star. Mans scores five points today. 13 assists, eight rebounds. I don't care about assists. I want you to score, man. This man had an open layup, and this is what Embiid is referring to. He had an open dunk against nobody. There was no defenders. The closest defender was Trey Young. So come on, you're Ben Simmons. You're like six foot nine. And instead, he passes it to someone who's double teamed, then gets fouled. Thibel then misses one of the free throws. That's exactly what Embiid is referring to. Um, also, Doc Rivers, after the game, was asked um, if Ben Simmons, as a point guard, can lead a team to a championship. And he said, I don't know. The answer is no. Ben Simmons is done. His career is over. This is what the Sixers need to do. This process has been fulfilled, and it's been dog doo we need to redo the process. Sell Embiid, get whatever you can for him. Let that man get a chip. He deserves one. He's not going to get one in Philly. Release Simmons. Nobody's going to want to trade for him. Release him. Take the hit. Take another 10 years to draft some guys and make another run. I I, I can't do it with this team. Five points. Or he's giving up here. You just can't make it to the NBA Finals or win the NBA Finals with Ben Simmons as your number two. Look at the other teams that are in contention. The Nets, when healthy, James Harden, 
is their number two or Kyrie Irving. James Harden and Kyrie Irving are both tremendously talented and way better basketball players than Ben Simmons. Look at the Lakers. Well, we have Anthony to talk Davis. about the Nets too in a little bit. Anthony, we will get there. Anthony Davis, way better basketball player than Ben Simmons. The Bucks. Chris Middleton right now is playing at a higher level than Ben Simmons, and it's really not that close. All the teams that are in contention have better twos and, in some cases, three players that are better than Ben Simmons, and that's an issue, and that's why I don't think that Philadelphia can win with this core. But can we just get a replay on Ori saying, oh. do, do, you, do you remember that when Ori was, Ori was in the midst of his rant? He just let out an, oh. You, you I, might need a replay of that. We we might have to do a replay of that, but uh, before we do that, I, I just want to weigh in a little bit here on this the Sixers because it's very disappointing, to be honest, because we have to remember Simmons is the number two as it stands because Embiid is, has been the guy for Philadelphia this, this year. But when he got drafted, he was the number one overall draft pick. He was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be the future for the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, not to mention Markel Fultz, who was just an absolute bust. I mean, and Simmons, I don't want to say he was a bust because there was some success. He's turned himself into one of the better defensive players in the NBA. He's a good playmaker. But you got to have scores in this kind of league. You Like Jack was saying, and a lot of these teams have actually gotten eliminated, but a lot of these really good teams have multiple guys who you feel like you can go to as scoring weapons, multiple stars, I should say. And Ben Simmons is the other star and he is not that scoring weapon. I think he can have a future in this league as a role player, a sixth man, but I just think he's not a star. He's not that guy. I, I you know, it's, it's like that, uh, the TikTok trend that's happening now. I mean, yeah, he just, he's not that guy. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. But um, we need to make that TikTok. We should be Ben Simmons. Uh, he definitely deserves that one. But um, I also want to talk about the Hawks because we actually had uh, going into the season when we did our predictions, we were all pretty high on the Hawks. Not even as high as we should have been because they exceeded our expectations in the regular season. But you know, as frustrating as it is on Philadelphia standpoint. The Hawks have been really impressive, and they could come at you from a lot of uh, different angles because today they beat the best team in the Eastern Conference uh, from the regular season without their star. I mean, Trey Young, he, he was getting to the line quite a lot tonight, but he was horrible shooting. He was like four for 20-something. Trey Young could not find the basket tonight, but the Hawks still were able to find offense, a lot thanks to Kevin Herter. Or, you know, you like him. He's a Maryland guy. Yeah, he looked really good tonight. He was locked in from three. He was just getting open. And I love that when Young isn't doing well, when your star isn't doing well, that as a coach and as a game plan, you can have confidence in somebody else who just has the hot hand that night. That guy was Herder, and it worked. He was great, and he was one of the huge reasons why the Hawks won that game. I mean, he was the guy for the Hawks tonight, and when for a night when Trey Young just didn't have his game, he just wasn't on it. That's huge to have someone else step up, and that's what championship teams can do. Championship teams will have guys that step up 
when your stars can't necessarily produce because you can't expect them to put out, you know, 30, 40 points every night. So the Hawks are a scary team. I am very excited to see, to see this series against the Bucks. Uh, two teams that have not been to the championship in quite a while. I don't even want to know when the last time these franchises have been to the NBA Finals, but it's going to be a fun Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but a team that we all thought was going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, going into the year, going into the series, uh, really throughout the entirety of the season, was the Brooklyn Nets. And they did not do the job. They lost to the Bucks last night, uh, Sunday night. Or no, Saturday night. I'm losing track of time. So, uh, Jack, what do you, what's your take on the Nets? One, what went wrong? How didn't this team, incredible, incredibly talented, one of the most talented teams we've seen in a while, how did they fall in the Eastern Conference semis? And what comes next for this franchise? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is they would have won if James Harden and Kyrie Irving were at full strength. That's not even a question. However, it is not a valid excuse because they still should have won, even with James Harden at the 30 40% he was and Kevin Durant. They still should have won. The injuries are not an excuse. That shot that Kevin Durant hit to send that game to overtime, if the Nets went, went on to win that game, that's one of the greatest shots of all time. They were this close to winning that game. If Kevin Durant's foot was an inch yeah. away from the line, literally one inch, they win that game. And that's what's so maddening about sports sometimes. It, they really are it's games of inches. Yeah, man. What happens for the Nets next? I mean, what can happen? The stench of this year can all be washed away with a win next year, which that's the expectation. The Nets have to win the NBA Finals next year. They have this core for two more years now. They got to get it done next year because I think KD and Kyrie might have opt outs after next year. Yeah. So I was looking. Not completely sure. So how the con- I think they have next year on. Um, so all they're all contracted next year. So they're they're all good for next year in Brooklyn. But all three of the big three: Harden, uh, Durant, and Irving, all have player options opt outs after this year. So, okay. if next, so and if I'm that franchise, you have got to win next year, obviously. Which I think that next year they are the prohibited favorites. They should be by far without they were question. This year, though. The favorites they were this year. Although, like I said, it's not an excuse, but they would have won that series without if they were at full strike. That's just a fact. And if you want to point the blame at one person, point the finger at one person, it's Joe Harris. Joe Harris was the best three-point shooter in the NBA throughout the entire season. And he was awful. I mean, absolutely horrendous from three point. He had a shot in overtime, a wide open three. That would have been a huge momentum swinger. Clank. I mean, not even close. He was, he was brutal this series. Yeah. And I mean, the injuries definitely hurt the nets, but they really got to do next year. And I don't know. I mean, there isn't really too much room, you know, you know, fiscally for them to even change that much this offseason. I mean, with those huge contracts that they're carrying right now. But I think they just got to put it together next year. I mean, they're so talented. It would be such a shame for all of these guys who, you know, two of them have won championships. You know, Irving did. But 
Harden hasn't won a championship. KD hasn't won a championship. They want it bad. Um, and you could tell, I mean, it was, they were, it wasn't like, you know, I mean, KD put the team on his back. Harden was giving it his all considering his injury. Just unfortunate. And I, I think they'll be back next year for sure. But worry, how about the Bucks? What are your takeaways from how the Bucks have been playing? Cause even with the injured nets, that is a tough task. They took him to seven games and they beat him. Uh, what, what are you expecting from them in the Eastern conference final as they look to be the favorite to move on to the NBA Finals. Yeah, I think it's amazing how, like, even though they had that three-headed monster of Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, obviously there were injuries, but you're still playing against Kevin Durant at full strength, who is arguably the best player in the NBA right now. Oh my I mean, after, Incredible. after what he did, I like, team on his back, I mean... That, that's pretty crazy to do. And to still win, um, I mean, it just shows that it's not only Giannis on the squad. It's not only Giannis that can really, really play, um, but you do have Giannis who's that, like, ultimate MVP caliber that you need to have on a team that's going to possibly go um, to the NBA Finals and potentially win it. Um, against the Hawks, it's going to be tough because the Hawks, are they have a lot of really, really good shooters. Um, Herder, obviously, Trey Young um Bogdanovich is a beast so it's gonna be tough for them but I think nobody can stop Giannis and like at the end of the day that's what that's why they beat the Nets and um for me that's why I'm taking them to beat the Hawks I will say this though Giannis was not perfect in that series against Brooklyn but that shows you how good the Hawks are as a team yeah when your star isn't perfect and you still beat a good a good team like the Nets it does it does but his three-point shooting and his free-throw shooting will have an impact in this Atlanta series. I still think that Milwaukee wins it, but if Giannis can't hit free-throws down the stretch, that is an issue because he was not good from the free-throw line in that series. And if his mentality, which he changed it in Game 7, credit to him, hopefully he sticks with his new mentality of get to the bucket because when Giannis drives, no one in the NBA can stop him. Oh, yeah. But... He was settling for jump shots a lot in that series, especially early, took a lot of three-pointers, and that's not his game. He's not a good shooter. Giannis is not a good three-point shooter. He's get to the bucket, get a bucket quickly. That's what he does best. But now, the Hawks have been a really good, I mean, this year, three-point shooting team, uh, the fifth-best three-point shooting team in the NBA. So you got to think Giannis, his job is to push it in the lane. His job they is to have push side. They have shooters. Giannis, you're not that guy. <laughs> yeah. You're not that guy. <laughs> not you, guys that guy. Want, you guys want to smile? I bet I can put a smile on your faces. You but you think you can? I don't know, man. This is heartwarming. This is heartwarming. All right. One of these one of these four players is about to get their first ring. Chris Paul, Giannis, Trey Young, Paul George. Yep. That's true. That's yeah, that, that, that is a happy. That's a happy thing. Aaron, this has been. I'll have to. I mean, this has been one of the more fun years to watch in the NBA. Yeah, it's because, been. I mean, really, before 2019, it was just kind of. It was like you know, LeBron and you know the Warriors every year. And I know that the, you know the narrative is overdone, but like it's true. It was like I don't think it's overdone. I think it's pretty factual. 
Yeah, but uh, it, it's been fun to watch because there's truly parody. I mean, these are franchises that have not seen the finals, players that have not seen the finals. I mean, there are guys who really want it. It's going to be fun to watch these finals. And before we move on to baseball, we got to talk about the West here. We have the Suns, who have been, you know, the big surprise in the West this year. Them and the Jazz, who the Jazz got eliminated by the Clippers. But the Suns have been great this year. They're in the finals. They're playing the Clippers, who have just been, they've over, overcome a ton of obstacles. They were down by 25 points at game six. They overcame that and actually beat them by a pretty big margin. Uh, but it's the Suns. They won game one. But for the rest of the series, what do you guys think is going to happen here in the Western Conference Finals? Is it going to be Chris Paul or Paul George in the NBA Finals for the first time? Yeah, I, I mean think it's going to be Chris Paul. I don't think that Paul George is going to be able to do it, especially with Kawhi's injury. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think the Clippers have what it takes. I, I I don't think the Clippers have what it takes. Yeah, that sentence was correct. Yeah, okay. I We're mean, an English pod. We're an English pod. Well, with I think with Kawhi, it is a different story, one hundred percent of the way, because we all have pretty fresh memories of what he did in 2019 with the Toronto Raptors. Now, heroic he was. I, I'm sure Ori has memories of Kawhi burned into his brain. <laughs> Sorry to do it to you, Ori. But, uh, you know, the fact is that that guy is clutch in the playoffs. He's one of the best clutch performers in the league as of now, but he's hurt. You don't have your guy if you're the Clippers. And there's a possibility he comes back later in the series, but even if he does – he's not going to be the 100% Kawhi Leonard. The injury is going to have a toll on him for the rest of this series if he even if he comes back. So with that being said, I, I just don't know if the Clippers really stand a chance. Even with Kawhi, the Suns are the better team. They're deeper. I think they can come at you from a variety of different ways. You know, you have DeAndre Ayton, who is one of the best rebounders and has really transformed his game this year from what it was a few years ago. Chris Paul, one of the best veteran leaders in the NBA, had an incredible series in the uh, Western Conference semis. Um, Devin Booker, what can't Devin Booker do? He had a triple-double today in Game 1. The Suns, I I honestly think they're going to overpower the Clippers. I think the Clippers, uh, Terrence Mann had a great performance in Game 6 against the Jazz, but you can't rely on freak performances like that from role players when your star is out. And I think that's why the Clippers are not going to win. Ori, are you in agreement here, Suns? For sure. Yeah. 100%. I mean, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, that's all you got to say. I mean, Paul George, he's been really, really good recently. But first of all, I don't think he can sustain that level of play throughout a whole series against the Suns. I don't think it's possible. But also without Kawhi, like, it's a one-man show there, basically. I mean, there's no other big star on that team mm-hmm. other than Paul George at the moment. And you have a three-headed monster, basically, on the Suns. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Ayton is really, really good. One of the better big men in the playoffs remaining. Um, which is why I think Bucks versus Suns, it's going to be really interesting to see Giannis versus Aiton offensively, defensively. If that happens. If that happens. Um, which- I will say this. I will say this. I think last year's Clippers team would beat the, this year's Suns. Because I they were much deeper. You had Montrez coming off the bench. Uh, you had Patrick Beverly. I mean, that was a really, really good team. I just don't know if they're really the same uh, this year. 
They just haven't really been the same throughout the course of the year. We'll see what the Clippers can do without Kawhi. It'll be a fun series to watch. But finally, it is time for some baseball. Baseball has been in full swing. We are approaching the All-Star break, which we'll be talking about that in the weeks coming up. All-Star, you know, our All-Star picks. But we're not there yet here on our podcast. We're just going to be talking about this week in baseball. Lots of fun stuff going on. First of all, we got to talk about Wander Franco because this guy today, the news broke, he's going to be coming up to the big leagues on Tuesday, I believe, um, from AAA. Uh, what, what, what is Tampa Bay's AAA affiliate? I, I always forget. Uh, well, they have a new one this year. I'm pretty sure it's the, the River Dogs, the Charleston River Dogs. Well, wherever it is, uh, Wander Franco is coming. He's going to be uh, in Tampa Bay playing some baseball. This is a pretty big move because the Rays are in a pretty tight divisional race. That is only going to get around the mountain. That is only going to get tighter when the Yankees start to heat up. So it's really a three-way race here. Do you think this can put the Rays out in front, adding just one offensive piece that you hope can really be explosive? Well. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because he's been the number one prospect um, in MLB's top prospects for years. I mean, this guy, everyone's talking about him. Everyone thinks he's the next big thing. Um, So we're going to see. So the Rays are bringing him up. Uh, They don't want to wait anymore. Um, As you said, Sammy, a very tight race in the division. Yankees are underperforming. Um, So they're trying to take advantage of that. I think adding one piece, a young rookie, even though it is Wander Franco, who is exceptional, I don't think it's going to be the difference maker. It will help. Um, I think it heightens their chances very slightly, though. If they can't figure out this pitching without the sticky stuff, it's not going to matter. Um, I think it's going to go back to the pitching with the Rays. If they can, if this is just a fluky thing right after the sticky stuff, they just had a bad stretch, then I think they'll be fine and they'll be able to really fight for that division with the Yankees um who i expect are gonna you know take over the red sox spot um but if they can't figure out the pitching it doesn't really matter how good wander franco is um when it comes to winning the division yeah you know he's a great prospect but what are prospects prospects are guys that haven't done it yet that's all a prospect is it's a guy that hasn't done it yet now i'm not saying that he's not gonna have a great career but it's, it's not that often that we see someone come up and just carry a team. You know, right the Rays up. have some issues right now. They have some issues. They've been struggling, but the Rays are a good team. I think that the Rays are going to win the AL East. Yeah. I think they're going to win the AL East. I just don't know if Wander Franco is going to be the piece that writes the ship. I just think they're going to naturally come back to where they were. Don't get me wrong, I still think the Yankees will make the playoffs as a wildcard team. But as of now, I well, think yeah. that the Rays are going to win the AL East. Kind of kind of kind of hot news. No, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, man, the AL is pretty fun to watch. You have a lot of really good teams because you have the Astros are playing really well. The A's are basically right up there with them in the AL West. The White Sox are one of the best teams in baseball. And then as soon as the Yankees start heating up again, you're gonna have some of the three best teams in baseball at the top of the AL East. So, I mean, there are going to be some really good teams in the AL not making the playoffs. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, the Yankees can miss the playoffs. They're a very good team. 
The A's could miss the playoffs. I mean, the Astros, like who knows? It's going to be fun to watch, and I feel bad because there are going to be some very disappointed fans. Even the Indians, who uh, we'll be talking about in a little bit, who've been very good, uh, they could miss the playoffs as well. It's going to be a very interesting race in the AL, but uh, Ori brought up the some of the sticky stuff, and Jack talked about uh, talked about it a little bit last week, but we wanted to get into it a little bit more today. Basically, the league put a 10-game ban on... Uh, or I guess a 10-game suspension if you were to use uh, the sticky stuff, I guess as everyone's kind of been calling it. What do you guys think about this? What is the verdict here? I'll start with Ori, um, since Ori was not on the podcast last week. Um, what do you think about all the sticky stuff? And do you think the league is taking the right approach to stopping it? Well, first of all, I want to say that I think it's ridiculous to do something midseason. I think, first of all, that's like a horrible decision. Tyler Glass now gets injured right after the ban and says it was probably due to him not using sticky stuff and he had to alter his grip and that used more of his forearm and therefore he had a UCL tear. I mean, like doing this midseason is so unfair to players. They don't have that offseason to get used to the rules. I mean, you literally changed a fundamental rule. I understand that sticky substances are technically illegal, but it's not enforced. And therefore, you can't really count it as a rule. Um, every pitcher uses sticky stuff. Literally every single one except for Jacob deGrom, who's not even human. All right? <laughs> so, like, if everyone's doing it, then you can't ban it midseason. That's really, really dangerous. And you're already seeing injuries um, happen to top pitchers, which is not good for the game. So, first of all, like when you're implementing this is just ridiculous. You have to do it at the end of the year. Let the players have a full off season to get used to it. And secondly, you're making it very, very subjective. Like they're saying that the umpires are going to choose what's too sticky. Um, they're going to check your hands. Um, so if, if they think that it, some umpires are not going to care, they're going to see spider tack. They're not going to care. They're going to be like, pitchers do what you want. Some umpires are going to be very strict. That's so not fair. You need to have something that's arbitrary. Um, and you need to have something on the balls. The balls cannot be without sweat and rosin, without sunscreen and rosin, without some sort of sticky substance because pitchers can't pitch without it. They can't do it. And if you're going to force them to do it, don't do it midseason. Do it at the end of the season. Give them an offseason. I think this is ridiculous. Manfred needs to go. This is just another stupid move. I I hate it. I hate everything about it. And it's also, like, I feel like the whole point of the move was to make things more clear, but I feel like it's still ambiguous. Like, mm -hmm. Ori was kind of talking about with the umpires, like, it could be kind of a mixed bag uh, with how umpires handle this new rule that the MLB put out. And then, you know, some people are saying, well, if they're really going to try to enforce it, it's a 10-game ban even enough. But you're doing it during the middle of the season, so, like, you really shouldn't be doing it during the middle of the season. So when they're trying to clear an issue up and stop it in its tracks, they create more of a problem. They've made it more confusing. They, they, they've made it more confusing, more ambiguous. I just – I don't like it at all. I think this – I think I would like to see them enforce um, rules on this because I think it makes the game more entertaining when – hitters can hit because we've seen batting average slugging percentage on base percentage all these hitting stats since mlb started enforcing this stuff go up and i like that 
but not during the middle of the season. And maybe you even need more enforcement on it. The way they're handling it right now is just really weird. And uh, they've really created a uh, sticky situation. I agree. Sammy, that was a horrible pun. <laughs> I do admit it is Father's Day, so I had to ha- I had to they, pull out a dad. You can't get rid of sunscreen and rosin. Players need that. We saw Garrett Cole, who, by the way, pitched fantastic. Eight innings, two runs, but he was literally rubbing the baseball on the side of his pant leg. Like that's how badly like he he needed dirt. Like he could it was so shiny and so slippery. And they these players need sunscreen and rosin. A lot of them like can't pitch without it. Like, just literally cannot pitch without it. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks because it's going to be a volcanic eruption throughout baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Now, another team that is having a volcanic eruption, I think, I mean, whatever, uh, is the Washington Nationals. And a lot of you listening probably live in the D.C. area. You're probably Nats fans. So, you're probably pretty happy with this news. Eight and two in their last 10 games. The rotation is looking really good. The bullpen is starting to heat up. Kyle Schwarber is hitting dongs. Uh, This Nationals team is looking like that team we remember a little bit from 2019. The team that we expected them to be. Is this just a little little run in a stretch of in a bad season? Or do you think this is a stretch that indicates what is to come for the Nationals? Do you think it's going to be kind of like 2019 where they got off to a slow start and now they're going to surge? What's going to happen, guys? I don't think they're going to surge. I think the Mets are a better team when it comes down to it. I think that, yes, they're in a hot streak right now, but what they did in 2019 was unbelievable and magical, and I just don't get the sense that that team has that same magic. Yeah, I mean, I I want to believe they can surge, uh, but it, it's too early in the year. Like, if they were making this push towards the playoffs and they had a spot, I would possibly be more optimistic. But surging in the middle of the season, um, it's just a good streak, to be honest. I, I don't think looking into it too much is very smart. And it's really not fair because that 2019 team, what they did is incredible and it shouldn't be expected to be repeated because it should have never been done in the first place. So, (laughs) you know, that's at least what I think. Yeah. I mean, I I think this Nats team is a team with talent. And I think the thing that is discouraging is that the offense hasn't been quite as good as you want it to be. I think this pitching staff, even if they're having a little good stretch right now is not even close to what it was. I mean, really they've gotten a few good outings from John Lester you know, every five days you get Scherzer, who you know he's going to give you an outing. But at the end of the day, Corbin has not been the same this year. Strasburg is hurt. And besides that, you're kind of relying on depth pieces for your rotation if you're the Nationals, which is obviously not what you want. Uh, I don't know if it's believable. If they continue to do it over the next few weeks, I'll start to keep my eye on it a little bit more. But until this offense gets going... I think that has to be the good part of this team because the rotation, in my eyes, can't be consistent this year. Without Strasburg, and you know they could even have more injuries as the year goes on. So I think we'll just have to see with the Nationals. Another very interesting series was the Padres and the Reds. The Reds were heading into San Diego really hot. They were 
they moved up to third place in the NL Central. There were a few games over 500. They were doing really well. But the Padres, who hadn't really been doing too well going into the series, humbled the Reds. They sweep them. You had a really good outing today from Denelson Lamette. You had a thriller a few nights ago, which had like a bunch of lead changes in the ninth inning. It was incredible. Padres, huge for them to get back on track. What are you? What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, it was a great, great game, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Man, I want you to rank these three players in order, okay? Of who. If you had to start a franchise right now, who would you want on your team? Okay. Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr. Is he a junior? Yeah. Yeah. He is? Yeah. Um, I'm taking Acuna. I, th- I think I'm taking Acuna. I, I think Acuna is just a complete sure. package. Now, if I say contracts null, because Acuna has a very team-friendly contract, but if I say contracts nullified, are you sticking with Acuna? Yeah, I, I think Acuna is the best player out of that bunch. I think, I don't know. I, I love Tatis. I love the power, but... um. He gives you the defense as well. He has so many errors this season, though. He, he has quite a few errors. I, I think Acuna yeah, is faster. I think Acuna is a better defender than Tatis is. And I think Acuna... Yeah, but shortstop is a more valuable position. Hmm. It's a tough question. There's it, no right question. answer. I mean, and honestly, I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I there are a lot of other good shortstops in the league. But when I think of star center fielder, I mean, you have... Acuna at the top, and then maybe like Buxton, Ballinger. I mean, but I, I don't think there's anyone close to Acuna in terms of how good they're going to be. And I think Tatis, you have a few guys who are close, and a few guys who are going to be close because you have a lot of shortstops that are coming up in the game that are going to be great. Wander Franco. So I think shortstop is a valuable position, yes, but there are a lot of good shortstops. I think there aren't quite as many great outfielders who can just do it all. Five tool guys. I'd take Acuna there. But uh, that's just me. Uh, moving on here. Some teams going unnoticed. And I'm just going to list off three teams here that I just feel like we haven't really been talking about as much. And I'm going to see what you guys have to say about these teams. Uh, and do you guys think these teams are for real? So we got the Indians. They are currently 39 and 30, second place in the AL Central. And they've been really good. Shane Bieber has been very good. You have an offense with, you know, Friend Mill Reyes, who's been good. And for a team that kind of sold this offseason by getting rid of Lindor, they have been consistently good throughout the year. Thoughts on the Indians, everybody? I mean, for a team that's selling, or at least seem to be selling, they're playing exceptionally well. Um, I, I don't think they can keep it up. I don't think they have the star power to keep it up. And even if they do sneak into the postseason, you need superstars on the mound and in the offensive lineup, which I don't think you have enough. Um, but they could be an interesting wildcard team that could make noise. Um, they have a great manager, a great culture. They've had success. So, I mean, yeah, definitely a team that's going under the radar and is playing exceptionally well, playing way above expectations. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you 
you hit the nail right on the head. Jose Ramirez is playing at an elite level. Shane Bieber is just an incredible pitcher. Imagine if they had, if they still had Lindor, which honestly probably wouldn't make that much of a difference yeah, right true. now, just the way Lindor is playing. But if they had if they had a normal Lindor season, an average Lindor season, that would help that team out a lot. But let's move on now to teams going unnoticed. Mariners playing well, sweeping the Rays. What do you have to say about this, Sammy? Yeah, I mean, the Mariners have been playing really well. I mean, they got the best of the Rays, which was a huge surprise. And this is a team that I didn't, I wasn't very high on them. But I said, this could be a team that makes some noise. This could be a team that surprises some people with a lot of solid young pieces. And that's exactly what they've been doing. And you look at the team stats, and they haven't really even been that impressive. They're 24th in slugging percentage this year. Not a great offensive team. And their pitching is like in the bottom 10. But this is a team that gets base hits. This is a team that has good at-bats. This is a team that will pitch to contact. They're not going to strike you out a ton. And they're not going to be super flashy. Not at all. But they're going to find ways to win games. And that's what they've been doing. I don't think they're in the mix at all for the playoffs here in the AL. Especially in the AL West where you have the A's and the Astros, two kind of superpower teams. But this is a great sign of what's to come for Seattle because you have a lot of prospects that are still developing in your farm system, a farm system which has been very good for a very long time, and it's kind of starting to come into fruition. You know, I don't want to take too much into this hot streak that Seattle's had, but they are over 500 as we speak. I did not think they'd be there at this point of the season, so... I'll give credit where credit is due. Seattle's finding ways to win baseball games. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you totally, Sammy. They're they're playing way above expectations, finding a way to win games. But numbers don't lie. And over a 162-game season, I think we're going to see the Mariners slide down. Um, but it's still really fun to see teams that um, – you know, don't have the star power, don't have the hype, but they still perform at a very high level. Shows do why baseball is so close, even between the worst to the best teams. Uh, anybody can win on any given day. Absolutely, and the Mariners have been hot. You know, we were talking about the Nationals have been hot, but this is might be the coldest team we've seen all year. Everyone's heard that the Diamondbacks, you know, they broke the record for the longest road losing streak, and they they came back home. So maybe you win some games. No. The Diamondbacks, home and away, every game, no, nothing fancy here. They've lost 17 straight games. I, and, you know, I did not have high expectations for this team, but going into last year, I thought they were a playoff team. Now, all of a sudden, they can't even win. They forgot how to play baseball, guys. I mean, this team isn't even... Stripped of that much talent, you have Cattell Marte, you have Peralta, Bumgarner, who's been all right. What's going wrong here, and what are they going to do at the deadline, do you guys think? Because I think there are going to be pieces that go. Bumgarner could go, Marte could go, Peralta could go. So If you look, on, if you look at this team, if you look at this team on paper, they're not a great team, but they're certainly not this bad. So they're gonna they have some pieces to sell. 
And Kettle Marte is very interesting. He can play center field. He can play middle infield. He can play everywhere. Lefty hits for contact. He's a piece that I think the Yankees should go after and will attempt to go after. I don't know if they have the prospects to pull it off, but he's interesting. David Peralta is also interesting. I don't know what you could get for Bumgarner at this point, but mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of shocking how bad they've been. I mean, yeah, well, so many runs. Like, I'm looking at their games that they've lost. It's like... 9, 9, 3, 10, 13. Against the Giants, they let 13 runs, 9 runs, and then 5 runs. I mean, like, their their pitching is just horrible. Like, some of these games are close because their offense was decent. But, I mean, they're just letting so many runs. It's ridiculous. Sammy, do you know if it's a record 17 games straight? Like, it's got to be close, right? I don't think it's a record. I'd have to look that up. But, I mean, it's weird with their pitching, I have to say, because, I mean, their ace hasn't been too bad. I, I'd say, I mean, Gallon is, what, 399 ERA, so a little below where he usually is. Bumgarner, let's see how Bumgarner's been doing. I, I'm pretty sure he hasn't been too bad. Bumgarner. Stats. Let's take a look here at Mad Bum. All right, so he has been pretty bad. 5.73 ERA. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's really the verdict here with the Diamondbacks. Not a lot of pitching, and they will be selling. And my gut is that this is going to be a team that is not going to ask for too much. I mean, they're going to try and get some prospects, but I, I think they got to get something here. You can't let this opportunity go by and regret having too high of an asking price and not get anything. Yeah, they got to get what they can right here at the deadline. I think they got to get rid of Bumgarner, get rid of Marte, get rid of Peralta, because I mean, there's nothing lower than this. Yeah, so as low as you can go if you're the Diamondbacks. I mean, it's been horrible. So I, I, I think they should just get whatever they can. Like absolutely. as you said, Sammy, like don't. Don't be prideful and try to get a lot for Cattell Marte. I don't care how good of a player he is. Do you need him off your roster? Um, I think some teams can get can take advantage of that, have a good yeah. deal, but it's not he's about a great winning. Player. Yeah, he's yeah, a great and- player. But it's not and- about winning plays for the Diamondbacks. Like they just need to get rid of these guys, get whatever you can, and regroup because this team is not gonna work and it's not set up for the future either. These guys are not young at all. Their stars are old. So get them out and uh, just salvage it and rebuild. Yeah, and as we progress through the next few weeks, we will be kind of doing some speculations about the trade deadline, more about some buyers, because the Diamondbacks are obviously sellers. But um, we'll be talking about some buyers, who we think is going to be buying, who we think they are going to buy. That'll be interesting. We'll do that next week and the coming weeks as we approach the trade deadline. But now we are going to give out some awards here at Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Position player, pitcher, game of the week. Let's go with with position player first. I'll have Jack go first. Jack has uh, one of his favorite players here. My favorite player, two-time Shatter from the Cheap Seats, position player of the week now, Gary Sanchez, the Sanchino, the Sanchez. Oh, I like the Sanchez. He's been unbelievable lately. Had two doubles, and you know Gary is good. You know he's locked in, 
when he hits those opposite field doubles. He had two opposite field doubles that split the gap between the center fielder and the right fielder, one in a very clutch spot today. So I think he's back, baby. And I have some evidence suggesting why it's sustainable. Are you guys interested? I am. So we just talked about the sticky stuff, right? Gary Sanchez in 2016 and 2017 mashed fastballs. He mashed everything, but especially fastballs. Then 2018 and even 2019, he had a good season in 2019, but even 2019 and 2020, his whiff rate on fastballs were way up. The amount of times in beginning of this year too, the amount of times that Gary Sanchez would just swing right through fastballs down the middle was outrageous. Anything that was slightly high and over 95 miles an hour, he had no shot at. Now, I haven't seen him miss a fastball, even high fastballs he's getting to. He's getting to every single fastball. And I think that might have might might be because pitcher spin rates are starting to go down. Less pitcher, less pitchers are using sticky stuff. So the spin rate isn't as high. He's on the fastballs. And this could lead to sustained success for Gary Sanchez. That's very interesting. I I like that, Jack. I like like some good old stats there for Gary Sanchez. I'll go with my position player of the week and i gotta go with my dude former chicago cub current washington national talked about him a little bit earlier this week but kyle schwarber is the man for me position player of the week and he is as hot as he can get the past two games he has five home runs which i believe i heard ties a record he had two yesterday he had three today schwarber has been absolutely electric this week to me there's no one else who could win this award how could he compete with that schwarber's been electric and the good thing about him is he's not the one of those lefties that is just gonna pull the ball because that like you know you like joey gallo um you know big poppy back in his day uh schwarber is and i'm not saying schwarber's you know, it's going to be pop. I'm not trying to say that, but Schwarber is pulling, uh, is putting the ball everywhere. He had, he had a home run into the left field bullpen, home run into the right field bullpen. I mean, he's has power to all fields, which is really encouraging. And he's doing it from the leadoff spot, uh, for the Washington nationals, which is pretty interesting to me. So Schwarber player of the week, Ori, who's your player of the week. All right. My guy, Hopefully, a future all-star, Cedric Mullins, the man on the Orioles, our best player, in my opinion, um, our center fielder. He is amazing in the field, always makes highlight plays, but he had a two-game stretch against the Blue Jays where he went five for nine with four home runs. I mean, the man's hitting 319 on the year, um, has, what, 13 dongs, so he's not a home run hitter, but he just had four in two games. I mean, 13's a decent – I mean, for not a home run hitter, that's a good amount. Yeah, and, you know, he steals bases, he's fast, he's electric in center field. I mean, absolute highlight reel out there. So, for an Orioles team that needs a bright spot, he definitely is uh, one of the brighter ones on on the squad. So, that's my player, the position player of the week. And now my pitcher of the week, I'm getting into it right away. I, I want to talk about my man, my favorite baseball player, Trevor Bauer. He struggled against the Rangers, which is right after the sticky stuff was banned. But as an elite pitcher, he can adapt. He went seven innings strong against the Diamondbacks, who we talked about earlier. Let no runs, three walks, eight strikeouts. His season has been incredible. 
hopefully he can make a push for the real Cy Young. More performances like that, and he should get it done. Wow. A very Trevor Bauer Cy Young this year. Pretty interesting take there from Ori. We'll see if it happens. He'll need a pretty good second half. I mean, he's been good, but, you know, he's competing with uh, DeGrom. So yeah. That's going to be tough. DeGrom, I mean, <laughs> good old Trevor well, DeGrom could win every award there is to win. Yeah, for real. Uh, another guy who's been really good this year, he tossed a no-hitter. but He was not done after he threw that no-hitter. Carlos Rodon has been great all year. I think I've had him for Pitcher of the Week before. I probably have. He's been great. This week he had two outings, 14 innings, four hits, two runs, 17 strikeouts, and he's really doing it all for the White Sox. He's eating up innings, and he's striking guys out. He's inducing weak contact. I love what I'm seeing from Rodon. And this White Sox team, they did just get swept uh, by the Astros, which is not ideal, but they're a deep team. They're really good, a good bullpen, a great offense, which was the case last year. But this rotation is really coming to his own. With Rodon coming back from the injuries, looking great. And then you bring in Lance Lynn. You have Giolito, who's been pretty good. This is a solid White Sox team. I real, I mean, they're one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball, in my opinion. Rodon, though, has been a big part of that. Great week for him. Pitcher of the week, Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon. 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 I have Walker Bueller. Bueller, Bueller. Did you guys get that reference? No, I actually have. I I, I would imagine it's from Ferris Bueller. Yes. But, uh, have you seen that movie? Or I have not seen that movie. I saw the movie. Okay, Sammy. Sammy is muted. Okay. <laughs> I have Walker Bueller. I mean, complete. He had a no no into the eighth inning. Eleven strikeouts. Walker Anthony Bueller is my pitcher of the week. Honestly, I'm at the point where. I've always loved Walker Bueller. He was my Cy Young pick last season. He's kind of he kind of goes unnoticed on that rotation because of Kershaw, Bauer, but he's an ace. He's a stud, and I think it's time he starts to get that recognition. Yeah, now it's time for us to go through our game of the week. Jack Ory, who wants to take us through? Because this week was an absolute doozy. It was, I believe, it was Saturday's game against. It was the Padres. And the Reds at Petco Park, first game that the Padres had full capacity, it was a doozy, as I said. Jack, you want to take us through? Yes. So, game of the week, Padres, Reds. The amount of just absolute bombs that were hit in this game, I mean, in the later innings were amazing. I actually did not watch the game live, so... I, I, I looked at the box score. I caught up on it a little bit, but I saw maybe the last inning of it. I was watching the ninth. Did you, did you watch it live, Sammy? I was, I was watching the ninth inning, and, you know, my man v Vicky Carrots, as I like to call him, uh, uh, Victor Caratini, uh, you know, former Chicago Cub, went to San Diego in the Darvish trade. Uh, he was up to the plate with a few runners on, chance to walk it off. And I was like, dude, is he going to do it? And what do you know, from his weaker side too, the right side, because he is a switch hitter, he just jacks one 
into left field, an absolute nuke. And that was so exciting to watch. I mean, a guy I've watched the past few years as a Cub, he's having a good year in San Diego, really coming into his own and a fan favorite over there. But he had the walk-off, but I believe in the ninth inning, there were a few lead changes. Both teams scored like a few runs. It was incredible to watch um, that ninth inning. I mean, I don't even remember everything that happened. It was just electric. He had a Hosmer home run uh, to tie the game up when Victor Caratini, uh, before Victor Caratini had the walk-off. So it was incredible. What a game. Um, Padres are always fun to watch, I will say. If you're scrolling through the games and you see the Padres are on, I am always tempted to go watch the Padres. They're a team you watch. Yeah, I mean, they got superstars on the mound, Fernando Tatis, um, and even Caratini, who, who balled out. But I really like the um, Jesse Winker, who is also a catcher, which I thought was so cool. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I Yeah, I, unless I'm, like, tripping. But I'm almost positive. That's cool. Um, He robbed the home run in left field. It was sick. And then he looks back at the fan. It was really, really cool. I love Jesse um, so Speaking we had, of like, robbed home runs, did you guys see judges? We did. I, I did. I don't know about Ori. Ori. Earth to Ori. I, I don't look at judge. I, okay. I, I, okay. I, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Go on your phone right now and just look up judge robbed home runs because yeah, this kill. man, he's the only player in the MLB that catches that. Only player in the in baseball. Disagreeing. I don't even know where the ball was. I know Mike only, Trout. He's the only player in baseball that could have gotten to that ball. Mike Trout would Mike Trout's not big enough. He would not have gotten to that. I disagree. You haven't seen the play. Judge is overrated. What can I say? Yeah, at least at least my team has made it past the second round of the playoffs. At least we don't spend three hundred million dollars a year. <laughs> Got some beef. There's here. a salary cap in basketball, so you don't know what the 76ers could spend. Hmm. I'm okay. The 76ers. I'm talking about the Orioles. Yeah, you okay? The Orioles are even worse than the 76ers, so I'm not even gonna go down that path. But Sammy, what's next up on the docket? Because we're getting to the end of the show, and these next couple segments are just gonna be incredible. All right, yeah, Jack. So we do have some fun segments. We have two more segments here. First, series to watch, and it actually starts tonight, but you're gonna be able to see the last two games. Um, you'll be watching it on Monday. So Monday and Tuesday, they'll be playing three games set between the Dodgers and the Padres. Always the series to watch whenever these two teams square off. The Padres just came off of an electric sweep of the Reds. And then you have the Dodgers who are playing the Rockies and they're playing great. So, or Diamondbacks, I believe, uh, excuse me. There's a two teams playing well, two of the most exciting teams in baseball. And you might have to stay up a little later if you're on the East Coast like we are. But it's worth it. Watch the games. It's going to be incredible. Dodgers. Dodgers. <laughs> I'm tired. Dodgers. Dodgers, Padres. <laughs> yes, okay. I'm tired. But, uh, but last but not least here, our last segment of the show, Ori has got an Amazon product of the day, and we are all very excited to hear what it is, Ori. So uh, tell us. Tell okay, us what it is. so 
we all know I have been going through some things with the 76ers. So this will be an homage to that. Um, I would like to thank Jack for the inspiration pre-show. So I gave you the inspiration. You did give me inspiration. I will uh, explain the product and I think you can, you can tell where the inspiration came from. All right. I will preface this by this is supposed to be accompanied by a Ben Simmons Jersey. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. We have for you a fire log that is completely recycled and made out of coffee grounds. So it's good for the environment creates a long lasting fire. Good for campfires, fireplaces, fire pits, indoor and outdoor use. It even gives off a nice smell. It's $45 for a pack. It's got over a thousand ratings, 4.4 out of five. And it is perfect for burning Ben Simmons <laughs> 76ers jersey. It is perfect, made out of pristine material. That fire will eat through in NBA jersey, especially one with Simmons on the back of it. <laughs> I mean, enough said. I, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. Are you going to walk off? Buy the fire log. I'm walking off. Burn the Simmons jersey. Ori, if, like you're just, if you're watching this on the podcast app, Ori, which by the way, if you're not, go to the podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Ori has just left the room. He's gone. Yachin has left the building. I repeat, Yachin has left the building. And we're about to leave the building because we have come to the end of the show, Sammy. Yeah, well, we'll see if Ori comes back. I, uh, We'll see. Nah, he's uh, gone. He's gone. Gone forever? He's (laughs) just as gone as, as Ben Simmons is in Philly. That's that's true. But yeah, another fun episode, of course. Lots to talk about in sports, and we'll have even more with the MLB deadline approaching, the All-Star break, and basketball. The NBA Finals are coming up soon. That'll be fun next few weeks. Uh, fun episode. Glad to spend it here on Jada from the Cheap Seats. And here, there he is. Have we burned the jersey yet? He's Not back. <laughs> I gave you time to burn the jersey. Everyone would back. better burn the jersey. They, they have burnt the jersey. The jersey is burnt. I'm glad. Okay, that's it. Great episode. We will see you guys next time on Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Peace. Ori, take us out. Bye.